Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 35 of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. Cassius Ray. And I'm joined here by my perceptive co-host, former market maker of 20 years and current day retail trader, a man with a lifetime record of 200 companies taken public. Now, that's more flips than you'll see at SeaWorld. The man who's taught me how to stay on my toes like a prize ballerina. I'm talking about the proper villain, JJ. JJ. Hey, uh, good. And of course, those are Versace ballet shoes you're wearing. (laughs) You know my style. Mm -hmm. And today, our guest is a PhD who's been actively involved in the financial markets since the late 70s. A clinical psychologist, active trader, writer, and researcher, a man who served as director of trader development for King Street Trading, and one of the leaders, if not the leader, in trading performance field. I'm talking about Dr. Brett Steenberger. Doctor, how's it going? Very good. Thank you for having me. Oh, the pleasure. The pleasure is ours. We really appreciate you allotting some time for us. Uh, you know, things are opening up back down here by me in Florida. What's the situation looking uh, where you're at? Yeah, things are opening up in a uh, planned way. And, and so it's very much stage by stage, step by step. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the town in Connecticut where I live, they have blocked off a couple of the main downtown streets. And they're using the streets to put some tables and chairs and let people dine out and Mm -hmm. be spaced apart. And so, you know, gradually life is getting back to some semblance of normal. Yes. And thank God for that. And, and, you know, while I have you here, I, um, something I've been thinking throughout this whole pandemic, right? How do we approach a situation like this? Obviously a lot of uncertainty. One news station says this, maybe another says this. How do we stay rational? through an event like this? Yeah, it's a great question. And we stay rational by listening to rational people mm-hmm. and specifically by following people who really are experts in the field. So on my Twitter feed, uh, it's at Steenbab, S-T-E-E-N-B-A-B. I try to link uh, different articles and tweets from people who are experts in epidemiology, biostatistics, and so forth. There's so much politicized commentary Mm -hmm. that's not really helpful. So I like to find the people who are seriously studying this and who don't have a particular ax to grind. And I try to link to that as a way of keeping people informed. Absolutely. No, great advice. Great advice. Thank you for that, doctor. So I, I want to start off by asking you, uh, how did you get involved in the trading field to begin with? Oh, I'd be delighted to, um, to answer that. Let me just back up if I could, though, mm-hmm. and, and just say, you know, we are getting back to some semblance of normal as we were talking about. But a lot of the experts that I hear from do talk about a potential seasonal component of this virus. And we Mm -hmm. could be looking at a return later in the year that could be pretty serious. And so we don't want to let down our guard too much. We can't win the trading game if we don't stay healthy, (laughs) 
yeah. you know, if we don't take care of ourselves. And so that's the number one, number two, and number three priorities. Take care of ourselves, take care of our loved ones, yeah. be safe, and then we can do great things in markets. Absolutely. You, you said seasonal, not, not to get down this tangent too much. Uh, seasonal, you, you saying like, because uh, I've heard a lot of people say like the, the summer will help slow it down. Is that what you mean by seasonal component? Uh, yes, there is some okay. thought that it could slow in the summer and then pick back up in late fall to winter. Okay. And, and uh, you know, like in the uh, uh, flu epidemic of 1918, it was actually the second go around that was the worst one. Mm. A great number of the deaths occurred not after the virus first appeared, but it was after that second season. So there is the potential for it to come back later in the year in a significant way. So Mm -hmm. we want to be prepared for that possibility in all respects. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So now we'll get into the And of course, that would have tremendous uh, implications (laughs) for markets if that were to occur. Uh Very true. Um, yeah, so it, it's a fascinating time, lots of uncertainty, you know, many different developments as far as developing therapeutics, uh, as far as developing potential vaccines. So lots of good things happening, lots of scary things happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to your question, how I got involved in, in trading. I had an uh, interest in financial markets really uh, from childhood and hearing stories about markets uh, from my grandfather when I was really young, but I didn't start trading until the late 1970s while I was in graduate school. I developed an interest in equity markets Mm -hmm. and uh, got started with a very small account and followed markets ever since, but really got serious with it around the year 2000. And then it was in 2003 that, uh, 2004, that I ended up leaving my full-time academic position at a medical school in Syracuse, New York, and going full-time to work with traders at a uh, market-making firm in electronic futures in Chicago. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, very. So, so you know, I'm, I'm interested, doctor, a little bit about yourself, like as a trader, uh, maybe give us a rundown maybe of how your, your trading style was and how it's evolved over the years. Yeah, when I first began, it it very much was doing fundamental research and buying and selling individual companies, you know, stock and individual companies. And and, uh, around that year 2000 or so, uh, I met uh, a famous trader, Victor Niederhofer. Wow. uh, Learned a tremendous amount from him, uh, including uh, quantitative approaches to trading. Mm -hmm really doing market research and looking Mm -hmm. for patterns that repeat themselves. Uh, I also learned quite a bit uh, studying some successful traders, uh, including uh, Linda Rashke, and Mm -hmm. uh, ended up developing a style of more active trading of the overall market, uh, and eventually the S&P futures, that looks at intraday patterns of the market based on buying and selling pressure with uh, various unique indicators. Okay, interesting. You, 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 brought, you brought up Linda and, and why you mentioned her. We had her on a podcast a while back. Love her. She's great. That's great. Um, I, uh, I remember reading an article. And I'm trying to remember which one it was of yours, but it, it cited Linda. And it was a study you guys were doing. Uh, she was training um, 
Oh, man, I wish I could remember. Does this ring any bells to you, doctor? Yeah, yeah. we actually yeah. collaborated with a, an academic uh, professor of finance, Andrew Lowe at MIT, and uh, used some of the people she was working with as subjects to learn about uh, the psychological components of financial markets. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yes, we were able to collaborate, and that was a lot of fun. I respect her work uh, tremendously. Yeah, me too, actually. She's the reason I got a job down at the exchange. I read what she did. I copied it and followed it from uh, Market Wizards, and that's how I got my first job. Oh, that's, that, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, she's, she's really great. And she pointed to some patterns uh, that really made sense to me. Uh, I later did my own research on looking at every single transaction in the market and where that's occurring. Is it occurring at the bid price? Is it occurring at the offer price? Looking at buying pressure, selling pressure, looking for patterns. Uh, and that's how I evolved uh, the style of trading that I have now, mm -hmm. which really is about looking for when buyers are lifting offers and buying, 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 and can't raise the market anymore. And when sellers are hitting bids and selling, 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 and they can't push the market any lower, mm -hmm. those folks are trapped. Exactly. And, and that right. often leads to really good moves in the other direction. So yeah. a lot of the trades that I see and that I place are taking advantage of short-term players who are leading the wrong way. And I exactly exactly what we we teach in in our room it's um you know i call it inventory correcting when inventory gets too short too long right they get trapped and supply runs out especially when they're short and yes. uh, yeah and um and thank you for that s p uh tick uh that you put out i think it was uh, three weeks ago it's yep. it's beautiful on that 30 second it's wonderful thank yeah, you so much great. for that's, that that's great another influence of mine was uh jim dalton Mm -hmm. He does, uh, I think, some really good work with market profile, mm -hmm. helping you see key levels, helping you see where that inventory is. Um, it's some really good work with market profile. He, he's my spiritual leader. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I am, uh, yeah, I, I, I think we should build a statue to that. Man. He's, yeah. he's great. Yeah, he's, he's really good, and he loves teaching, and he's got a lot to teach. Just really to quick, I know I'm derailing Ray, but Victor Niederhofer, what was it like working with him? I love education of a speculator. The Old Man and the Yen is probably one of the best chapters of any trading book I've ever read. Yeah, his book is. I mean, a, read, sorry. And a, yeah, his book is an absolute classic. Um, and and you know, I met him and spent time with him. I didn't work for him. Okay. Um, but uh, what was ha what happened was he and his co-writer Laurel Kenner at the time announced a contest, and you had to submit the best market indicator. Oh. And so I was teaching in Syracuse at the time, and I had some free time, and so I put together my indicator and sent it to them. The indicator was a cor a correlation of the level of the Dow Jones Industrial Average with the average beats per minute of popular music. <laughs> well, wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, and of course, this was around the year 2000, and I referenced 
the raves in Ibiza, and <laughs> you know, you know. So, anyway, so uh, I pointed out that we were on you know the upside, you know, with uh, the beats for a minute, but that we could expect uh, a crash, and and I compared it to the all night raves where you finally crash at 4 a.m. on the beach. Right. But we're not going there. Um, <laughs> So anyway, he, he, he immediately announced that the the contest was over and that I had won. <laughs> yeah, and, and so uh, what what I won was a visit to his office in Weston, Connecticut. Oh, and it was just a phenomenal experience meeting him, seeing what he does, seeing the people he worked with, and uh, yeah, and we built a relationship out of that. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Very smart, creative person. Just unusually so. Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely, definitely. Doctor, for you, what's what's your biggest weakness as a trader? Oh, uh, that's that's easy actually. Um, my biggest weakness is that I all too easily get away from what I'm good at. And, uh, you know, I love to explore new things, different things. I, I have a, a pretty, uh, you know, cre creative interest. But what I'm good at is the really short-term trading and seeing those patterns with the buying and selling. That's really where I have any edge whatsoever. And as soon as I start to get bigger picture ideas and want to extend my time frame, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't end happily. Um, and, and so uh, I, I've, I found it to be a challenge to accept who I am and what I'm good at and to make the most of that and to not try to be more things. It, you know, you see big moves in the market. You'd love to be involved. That's just not who I am. And I've got to learn to accept that. And, and, and over the years, I, I think I've done a better job of accepting that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah focus is focus is so important it focus is important but I, I do think there's a an element an important element of self-acceptance of mm -hmm. self-understanding oh, yeah. you know who you are what you're really good at Definitely. and typically really good investors are not great traders and really great traders are not necessarily good investors exactly so there, there are different skill sets involved and uh i can make money trading and as an investor, I can truly shit the bed. I completely, I, I'm exactly the same way because I was taught if you ever buy stock, get a discount on it. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, you know, like I'm short already and then looking for a block and a discount. So that's right. You know, right. So I'm not a good investor because I'm already sitting on your offer. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that, that I'd say is my greatest, has been my greatest weakness. Uh -huh. And uh, it's something that uh, has been rewarding to work on. Right, right. It's, and now it's a constant battle, right? I mean, it's not, well, I say it this way, like it's, it's not something that ever goes away, right? Like it's something you always have to keep in mind or maybe like temper a bit. Yeah, you know, I think we all get ideas in our head of who we would like to be or mm -hmm. how we, what we should be, and, and that's different uh, sometimes, uh, very different from who we actually are. Um, 
you know, the, the really good investors, the, the people I work with at hedge funds who are really good, they are deep thinkers. And they can really dive into central bank monetary policy and GDP reports and everything that goes into those. And they will notice patterns. They will notice themes. They'll notice pieces of information that other people don't. And they'll develop a whole macro thesis out of that. That's a really unique skill, that ability to do that kind of research, dig deep and think globally. Uh, and that's appealing to me, but it's actually not who I am. <laughs> I, I am I'm actually not a real deep thinker, um, which is probably why really? I like to listen to the music of the Ramones. Oh, um, <laughs> love the Ramones. I lo yeah. yeah. Somebody put something in my drink. I mean, that... <laughs> I mean, that's, that's probably as highbrow as I get. So, you know, you got to accept who you are. But good traders are fast thinkers and can see things broadly. Yeah. And so I can see things happening in different sectors of the stock market. And small caps are doing this. And this is happening in the more defensive sectors. This is happening in the more growth-oriented sectors. And the market's moving higher. And here's what breath is doing. And I can see that all at the same time and make some quick decisions. And that's what I'm good at. That's a that's good one. I would have never guessed you're not a deep thinker. You're a psychologist. Yeah, you I know, read your reading. Your, your... Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to keep paying that guy to keep writing that in my head. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Good you know, ghostwriter. It is really funny because I do uh, academic writing and I do teach in the yeah. academic world at a medical center. And, and so I do have the capacity for that research and that deeper thought, yeah. but not in markets. That's not in trading. Sense. Sure. Yeah. Okay. yeah that makes really sense. Right. It, not in trading. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I find that with myself a little bit, um, somewhat in trading uh, in other endeavors too. I Sometimes I like to, because I'm very curious by nature. So I spread myself out a little too thin. Sometimes I think, and I think it's like you said, and sometimes it can be difficult finding what's your, or it takes some time at least to find out where your niche is um, and going with that. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why with the folks I work with, I emphasize to them, study, study, study yeah. your winning trades, you know, really focus on what you do well, learn yeah. from that. That's where your talents lie. It's where your skills lie. And that's what you want to make the most of. Your winning trades will tell you a lot about who you are. Uh, I like true. that. I like that, yeah. Yeah, everyone wants to look at their losing trades and correct their mistakes, and that's all good. And, of course, they meet with me. I'm a psychologist. They want to talk about their problems. That's great. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I tell them to STFU. But, no. <laughs> <laughs> Grow a pair. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh, thank you for that's saying the, that. That's the old school yeah. psychology, yeah. right? Thank, <laughs> thank you for saying that because, oh my God, yeah, yeah, I'm, but, I'm, I'm 52 and I, I hear so many people whining all the time and, you know, you got to try and be nice, but oh dear God. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, you know, I tell, I tell the story, I'm digressing here, but I tell the story when my daughter, uh, my youngest daughter uh, was uh, quite young. I mean, like young grade school age. Uh, I was with her and I had a really hard day at work and 
I said to her, oh, you know, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just exhausted. It's such a hard day at work. Uh, you know, I'm having trouble just keeping my eyes away, you know, eyes open. And she looks up at me, this little grade school girl, and she says, Dad, grow a pair. <laughs> ah. Ah. And, and you know what? She was right. She was right. I was feeling sorry for myself. Anyway, but people love to talk about their problems and, and all that. And that and that is important. I, I you know, I don't mean to demean that. Yeah. But we gain just as much by talking about our strengths, what we're good at, what works for us. Right. That's really who we are and what we do well. And we want to build upon that. Definitely. Absolutely. No, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I think I do, doctor. I think I definitely do emphasize more on the like the losers and what I don't do well. And I, and I think that that's great. You brought that up. I'm definitely gonna focus on that. Uh, so yeah, what, yeah, if I could just yeah, jump yeah, in. Go. Yeah, go. Yeah, please. So I mean, day after day, let's say you write a journal and you're focusing on a losing trade, you're focusing on a losing trade, you're focusing yeah. on this loser, you're focusing on that loser. How is that not internalizing the identity of being a loser? Sure, that's sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you keep thinking about losing, that's what you internalize. And so, yes, we do want to correct our mistakes. That is very important. Uh, it's, I would say it's necessary, but not sufficient. We right. have to, we, we can correct our mistakes. Great. We bring ourselves from a negative to a zero, but to bring ourselves from a zero to a positive, we have to build on our strengths. Right. I, I completely agree. I, I always tell people and people always focus on the mistakes and get sort of, twisted and upset. And I'm like, it's, it's a part of the business. It's like in a business expense. It's like, you know, if you ran a sandwich shop, would you get worried? Would you get upset if you had to pay the electric bill? You know, just right. keep, keep your expenses low. It's a business, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and mistakes and losing trades uh, go with the terrain. You know, oh, there are always going to be setbacks. Yeah, definitely. You're always going to make mistakes. Definitely. It, it helps being in a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and this kind of this kind of leads me into. Well, let me make mistakes and hearing about yeah, it. <laughs> let me let me ask you this, doctor. What what tips or ideas do you have on separating your trading from your personal life? You know, for for example, like not letting it affect your mood, whether you've had a good day or a bad day, right? Because neither one is is good, right? That's a good question. Yeah, it is a good question. And, and I really do emphasize the importance of having a personal life outside of trading. Mm -hmm. Because if trading is your whole life, your mood, your energy level are just going to go up and down with your P&L. Right. And then the markets control you. Oof. If you're going to be successful, you have to be in control of your trading. You can't have your, the markets controlling you. And so you have to have enough areas in your life that can bring you energy, bring you happiness and fulfillment, so that when you go through the inevitable drawdowns of trading, you've got lots of other things in your life to keep you afloat. Absolutely. So, so one way that I've put it uh, in the blog book that I've uh, written, Radical Renewal, which is uh, free, uh, you can get it, uh, link, it's linked on my uh, trader feed blog, but one of the things I emphasize there is that you want a broad enough life so that there's always something more important to you than your P&L. 
Mm-hmm. If your PL is the most important thing in your life, it owns you. Yeah. Right? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You, you can't be successful in life being owned by anything else. Right. That doesn't work psychologically. So if you have lots of things in your life that are more important to you than your PL, I've been married for 36 years. I've got five children, six grandchildren. I have a teaching career at a medical school. I write books. I have uh, great friendships. I have four rescue cats at home. Uh, <laughs> you know, so trading fits into my life. My life does not fit into trading. And mm-hmm. that's, that's good for the psychological balance. Definitely. And what, would, and what would you say to the people? Because, you know, there's people of the school of thought that like, it's like, oh, you have to be almost, you have to be obsessed. Like, because you, you do several things very well. And there's some people that say like, oh, no, you have to put all yourself into something. You have to be 24-7 trading. What would you say to them? Uh, 24-7 training is a great way to burn out um, yeah. and to have an, uh, a pretty unsuccessful life in other parts of your life. Right. But what I would say while you're doing trading, you've got to be all in. Exactly. Yeah. So, yes, I would agree with that. You have to be totally absorbed in what you're doing. You have to be totally focused on what you're doing. You can't be focusing on the other parts of your life while you're involved in the markets. But yes. then uh-huh. – you know, the market's closed and you've got the rest of your life and you want to be totally focused and totally absorbed with your kids or right. totally focused and totally absorbed, you know, with, I don't know, craft beer tasting or whatever you're into. <laughs> yeah, no, I know that, that totally makes sense because after 9-11, my whole identity was, uh, you know, around the business and being a trader and successful yep. and lost everything and then kind of, you know, it, it took me a while to get my head straight and, you know, realize that, you know, that I just looked at myself as an abject failure for two years yeah. because, you know, yeah. uh, and it, it just destroyed my life. Um, you it know, can. I couldn't, I couldn't separate it, you know? Um, yeah. And, yeah. That, and that's a big learning lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also teaches us about the importance of risk management and why, risk management is so important to stay in the game so we don't blow Mm -hmm. up so that we don't go through those harrowing times yeah and i didn't even blow up my boss got arrested so that was uh, oh (laughs) oh yeah that was yeah so that was it wasn't even you know because i was you know trading order flow so i wasn't you know i say right yeah but uh the firm shut down and yeah it was ugly yeah yeah the, the way i like to have it is if i were to lose every penny in my trading account I would be a happy, successful person who sucks as a trader. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. It, that's it, 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 it's not a verdict on who I am as a human being. Mm-hmm. There are a lot more important things that make up a person as a human being. And mm-hmm. you might be good at trading. You might not be good at trading, but that's not, it can't be who you are or else the trading controls you. Ah, very true. Right. I mean, you, you find this has got to be, me speculating, doctor, uh, a big problem for a lot of people just because of the way our society is, right? It's like, what's the first thing you meet somebody like, oh, what do you do for work? Or what do you, you know, it's like, it's like built into, it's almost like ingrained in society, right? Yeah. And a lot of our identity is tied up in our work. And our work can be a very important part of our identity. You know, certainly the work I do as a psychologist is an important part of my identity. But that, that, really speaks to the need to do different kinds of work 
Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we may do one thing as work to make a living, but there are other things we can work at, uh, whether it's on a volunteer basis or, or whether it's the work we do as a parent uh, or a spouse. But you know, we want to be identified with many different roles in our lives, Definitely. not just our vocational uh, yes. life. Absolutely. Now, Doctor, you are are you an advocate? I, I believe you are of treating this almost like an athlete, right? Treating uh, trading like we're an athlete, correct? Uh, well, it depends what you mean by that. Uh, you know, treating it as a performance activity. Yes, yes as, that's what I meant. Yes, as a performance yeah, yeah. activity. I, I, to I totally agree with that. Yes, and and the way that we train to be successful as an athlete. Uh, has a lot of similarities to how we train to be successful as a trainer. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, athletes talk about, or, or even you might hear like actors, stage actors, you know, they got like the butterflies um, before they go on. And if they don't have it, a lot of times people uh, maybe have a sloppy performance. You know, there's something about that feeling that, you know, drives them, keeps them sharp, keeps them focused. You know, I kind of relate that to trading with like maybe with the size that we trade, do you have to trade a certain size to where, you know, you're going to feel it a little bit if you lose. And so in that case, you're a little sharp. Hopefully I came across clear here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there is something called performance anxiety that affects mm -hmm. people in all performance fields. It could be actors and actresses. It could be athletes. It could be traders, but it, if the outcome of the performance becomes so important to us that that's what we focus on it puts pressure on us and that affects our doing of the performance mm -hmm. so if i'm a basketball player and there are five seconds left in the game and we're down by one point and i'm shooting a one a one and one on the free throw line the whole game depends on me mm -hmm. you know what where's my focus going to be if my focus is on the scoreboard I'm likely to miss those free throw shots. Mm -hmm. If my focus is on doing the exact same routine that I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times in practice and in games of how I shoot that free throw, it's just another free throw. Mm -hmm. and, and so for performance sake, we don't want to be too focused on outcome. Mm -hmm. As soon as we size up too much and we start thinking about P&L, it puts the focus on the outcome that creates performance pressure and that can interfere with our decision-making. Correct. Okay. And so let me put it this way, right? Like, cause it can't be the same trading SIM to trading real money. Correct. Yes. And no, I hear that a lot. Um, I'll, I'll give you an analogy. So there was a time when doing public speaking, I would get really nervous. Well, mm -hmm. then I had to, as part of my, uh, uh, a stipend as part of my scholarship in graduate school, I had to teach introductory psychology. And I had to do it Monday, Wednesday, or Friday at eight in the morning <laughs> and all semester long. And it's actually for multiple semesters. So you're teaching every single week, three times a week. Well, by the end of it, it was like 150 students in the class. By the end of that time, I was so accustomed to talking in front of big groups that it just became routine. Mm. And now I talk in front of groups and I, I don't get butterflies. I, 
I've just done it so many times. Yes, and exactly. This talk may work out well. This talk may not work out well. Um, but you know, it, 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 my life doesn't depend on this particular talk. It's the same thing with trading. Mm-hmm. You know, when you've traded enough times, it, it, it's, it's another trade. It's just like doing another public speaking engagement. Exactly. And you don't want there to be a lot of performance pressure. You want to be able to do what you do well, very naturally. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think it can be like SIM in that respect. Sure. Okay. All right. You know, I've heard people say that the human brain is almost wired for us to just be naturally bad speculators. Do you, do you agree with this? And if so, why? Yeah, in the sense that the cognitive biases mm-hmm. that are common to us really do interfere with good decision making in markets. And, and that has been written about in behavioral finance um, quite eloquently, that we have biases based on recency, where you know, whatever has happened most recently sticks out in our mind. Uh, we have biases in terms of salience. Uh, the the mo- the biggest event that sticks out in our mind colors our next decisions, and so in that sense, yes, we can be wired in a biased way, and a lot of the training that goes into being a good trader is being able to look at each market with fresh eyes and step back from those biases mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure. And, and so, so how, you know, like speaking of bias, when we review our trades to properly remove bias, you know, to analyze whether the trade was pure luck, maybe it was skill, maybe it was a mix of both. Uh, maybe what are some recommendations when we are reviewing trades? Well, you know, if we are trading, what we know and what we do well, then we have some sort of structure around our trading. We have some sort of idea of what constitutes opportunity, what constitutes good risk reward for entering a position. How do we think about exiting a trade? You know, we have some kind of rules or some kind of experience that tells us what is good trading and that can guide our reviews. Mm, Uh, That's good. One type of review that I like is where we go over the market with a fresh set of eyes and say, what were the best trades that set up during the day? Mm-hmm. And what reasonably could have told me that these were opportunities? Yeah. So that you're constantly looking for how the market is behaving, how the market is setting up, which allows you over time to adjust to tra- changing markets exactly, and allows you to see new patterns, that can be a great way of refreshing your perception, alerting you to new patterns. Uh, and then you can see if you've actually traded those new patterns well. Yeah, I love that because I, I replay charts and um, I'll replay the day and I'll look and see, oh, okay, you know, there was an opportunity here or, you know, exactly. I, missed, I missed this sort of thing. And that way too, it helps because I, I find a lot of people have kind of like a lotto bias. Uh, you know, they think the trade has unlimited upside and 
you know, then they, then the market comes back on them and they lose money or they, you know, don't make as much. And I, I find that bias is yep. just a lack of education of knowing where, you know, that you, when you have a trade on, you should have some sort of a target. Yes. yes you know, yes, based yes, on yes, structure yes. or it's great, whatever it's you're a, using. It's a great point. Uh, I, I can tell you that the worst traders that I have ever encountered are perpetual bulls or perpetual bears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, because, yeah. Because all they're doing is imposing their directional bias on the markets. Oh, yeah. I, I they're, see not, they're not listening oh. to what the market is telling them. They're not really following the market. No. Uh, the analogy I use, again, in the uh, Radical Renewal book, uh, is that uh, just like a therapist, like a psychologist, who's good will listen to their client. A person's coming in to work on their problems. I have to listen to them with an open mind. What's going on in their lives? What's that all about? And how, how might they be able to deal with it? If I start to impose my idea of what I think their problem is before they even open their mouths, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to be a very effective psychologist. Yeah, it's no, it's no different with markets. We have to sit back. We have to observe markets. We have to listen to what they have to say. And then we figure out what makes sense, what is setting up. We don't impose our own directional biases, our our own needs for activity. Uh, All of that are just ways of losing money. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So, doctor, uh, a topic that I put a lot of thought to, uh, I think maybe others don't, um, and I'd like your thoughts on, you know, just general thoughts surrounding it is trading to win versus trading not to lose. Right, right. Uh, and certainly we, especially if we've taken some hits, mm-hmm. uh, it's easy to get in that mindset of being so risk averse. We're trading to not lose. And, mm-hmm. and, and we really do miss out on opportunities that way. I, I meet with traders who are taking profits much too quickly. And then they're reluctant to get out of losers because they're hoping they'll come back. Mm-hmm. And, and that just leads to really, really poor trading. Trading to win is not being focused on P&L as we were talking. It's being focused on process. It's being yep. focused on what we do well mm-hmm. and how we do it. And it's focusing with an open mind, a clear mind. Uh, I've recently uh, put together a series of three-minute videos called uh, the the three-minute trading coach Mm -hmm. and in the videos each video three minutes talks about one technique that you can master to have an open mind and see markets well and by practicing those techniques we can be in a mindset to win not by focusing on winning but by focusing on doing the right things in markets, by focusing on how markets are actually behaving. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. That right. makes sense. Yeah. I just uh, quickly to interject, I, I, because I see a lot of people, um, you know, who actually don't understand the underlying business that they're operating in and they're trading and they're making mistakes based on assumptions instead of actual facts about the mechanics of the market. And then they'll say that, you know, they, you know, need, like therapy or something like that where, you know, I find a lot of that in, in the retail uh, sort of space where they haven't taken the time to learn. Like, you know, one person, for example, was uh, 
you know, thinking that there was a, a company that was going to have a short squeeze, but the float of the company was massive and there was no short position. So there was nothing there and nothing structurally even to show that, you know, that sellers were trapped. So, right. you know, and then they had this big rant session and things like that. And I, I don't know about you, but I mean, coming from the institutional side, if I went off and ranted and, you know, you know, had a hissy fit, I would, I wouldn't have any clients because you're not acting like a professional. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, I see it in traders as well, where they might focus on a biotech stock and they'll say that some announcement came out and that we should fade the announcement. I mean, they haven't studied the drug. They haven't studied the company. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's bias yeah. is what it is. And then you're right. Then the frustration sets in when that idea doesn't work out. Yeah. Uh, you know, what we want to focus on if we're trading well is what do we see uniquely in markets that others don't see? We can't just be generic. We can't just look at headlines. We can't just mm -hmm. look at simple chart patterns. What do we see uniquely that others don't see? Because that's where our edge is most likely to be. And, and sometimes it's even just the simple things. For example, Tesla kept going up last year, and it's still going up. And people are surprised that it's going up. And if you look at the way the company's structured, there's, there's no available stock to trade. The, most of the float is wrapped up or tied up, and it's never coming out. So if there's no supply, you need supply when you're short. Right. You know, it's just the simple, those sort of simple basic things that I, from the institutional side, I'm like, you know, I'm slapping my head going, what are you people talking about? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, it's like you're trying to like, you, you know, you're, you're trying to teach an elephant how to swim. It's like, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> right, right, right. E even when the company founder is saying that the company's not overvalued. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, well, Tesla is, is a living example of the Hudsucker proxy where, you know, the CEO pretends to be crazy and that induces everybody to short it. It's a wonderful way to hold up a stock. <laughs> yeah. there, are, there are a lot of leaders I know who do that, but we're not going there. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, he's, he always tries to bring it down that path. You, you got to love Jay. Oh man. Yeah, yeah, no, good yeah. stuff. Cause I, cause I know, cause I know doctor, I, I've read you say that it, it's, um, the whole point of, you know, this trading performance psychology is not to change our moods, but it's to build correct habits, right? Yeah. It, yes. It, it's to really play to our strengths to figure right. out what we're good at and turn that into a process that is repeatable so that we can as consistently as possible do what we do well. Right. What are your thoughts on uh, modeling? Here, uh, the what? analogy I sometimes use, if I could just jump in, the analogy I sometimes use is between trading performance and sexual performance. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Already? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my next video series will be on the three minute lover. No, I'm just <laughs> Just saying. Um, okay. So, but you know, what would happen in sexual performance if we focus so much on the end point and this has to be awesome. This has to be the best experience ever. This has to, you know, I have, I have to be bigger than big. I have to be. Oh my God. Okay. So, you know, the flag is going to fly at half mass. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So when we put pressure on ourselves with, Sexual performance that leads to performance problems. And when we put
pressure on our performance and trading it leads to trading problems and we we put pressure on ourselves in golf to putt the right way we get the yips and that leads to golfing problems yeah, yeah. it's the same dynamic wow that was great that, that was, that was no, a great analogy and yeah, that was, yeah. was, so was and, humorous and too always, yeah the nice thing is you guys could always edit out two-thirds of what i say because no, totally no, no we, we don't edit so no we don't edit any of this we don't edit we don't i don't even know how to edit yeah no, uh, oh dear oh dear no, no. <laughs> yeah, sorry <laughs> Okay. The listeners get it wrong. I, say. I didn't know that. <laughs> no, that was funny. That was great. Oh man, um, what what are your thoughts uh, regarding uh, modeling, automation, AI, etc., and using that to combat human weaknesses? Yeah, it's such an exciting field. Mm-hmm. Uh, quantitative finance and machine learning. Um, you know, the ability to exploit complex patterns. Mm-hmm. Uh, through, uh, you know, computational finance, just, it's a very exciting field. I know some very creative and successful practitioners in that field. Um, and some of the best returns and funds are coming from that direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's an exciting area, but it takes a lot of computing processing power. It takes a lot of mathematical ability Mm -hmm. and that's well beyond the capability of the average trader. Uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. Doctor, trading can be a lonely endeavor, you know, trading from home by yourself. How important is it for people to have others to talk to, you know, about the ups and downs of trading with? I, I don't know any performance field where people achieve elite performance by working by themselves. It doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always mentoring. There's always teamwork. You look at how people get to the Olympics. You look at how people get to championships in tennis and golf and whatever the field might be. Uh, you always see coaching. You always see mentoring. You always see teamwork, people learning from teammates, uh, supporting teammates. I think that's essential to success. And, and so that's what you see in trading firms. Uh, you know, I work with uh, proprietary traders at uh, SMB, a firm in, in New York City. Yep. And every, all the traders are organized as teams. And the teams are led by senior traders who have been successful. And they're sharing ideas. And the junior guys are sharing ideas with the senior person. And they review the d- end of the day together. And they prepare at the beginning of the day together. Day in and day out and day in and day out. And that's how you learn successfully. If you're a trader from home, you can't be isolated. You've got to reach out to others. It could be through an online community, through classes you take, through linking with people that uh, you find uh, to be simpatico uh, online. But you want to be part of some kind of learning effort and learning community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What's the link between trading and spirituality? Oh, okay. So that's the Radical Renewal book. Uh The link between trading and spirituality is that the big problems of our trading actually are not psychological. It's Mm -hmm. not like traders have all these psychological disabilities and disorders. (laughs) Uh Come on. Um, It's that our egos get in the way of our decision making. Mm 
Right, right, for the sure. The enemy of good trading is the ego. Well, how do we get past our egos? That is what spirituality is all about. Ah, yeah. Spirituality is about overcoming the ego and finding the soul. Mm -hmm. The soul is our essence, who we are. Our ego is what we'd like to be and what others say mm -hmm. we are. Okay, we want to move beyond ego so that it's not about PL, it's not about being you know, the man. It's about seeing things, responding to things, being in tune with things, and that comes from the soul, not the ego. Yeah, I noticed that Dr. Van Tharp's last book that I read, uh, Trading Beyond the Matrix, it had a lot of that in it, you know, uh, mastering yourself and consciousness and mindfulness and it was interesting um yes and we're reading much more about mindfulness and trading the use mm -hmm. of meditation as a tool uh for traders yes i think it's a much more recognized issue now than in the past mm -hmm, definitely yeah yeah for sure uh doctor as far as meditation because you brought it up i i think <clears throat> as far as like myself what's helping me and i could be way more diligent and i think i should because i i see the benefits uh for myself and i i think it's that like just letting the like not think overthinking over analyzing just executing you, you know you know what i'm saying you know what i'm getting at yes mm -hmm. yes and many times when we, especially for active traders when we have a performance skill we don't want to be self-conscious. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be self-absorbed. We right. want to be completely absorbed in the doing of it. You know, athletics is that way. If we're a soccer player, uh, you know, how do we go to where the ball will be, you know? Mm -hmm. We're not doing it through any analytical process. We're doing it through instinct that has been gained from many, many, many hours of practice and play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely sure. yeah ray and i used to always talk about you know it's like watching it's like football players watching game film mm -hmm. and and yeah. running the same drill over and over and over and over again so when you know that hole opens up you know your linebacker you go plug it it's just instinct you know exactly exactly the repetition is what drills it into our heads mm -hmm. so that's why in sports you run all sorts of drills all mm -hmm. week long and you do review game film, and you work on your game. Um, as I've often pointed out, in every performance field with successful performers, you spend more time preparing for the performance than actually performing. Definitely. In every performance field, you spend more time practicing and more time reviewing game film and more time learning and drilling and working on your game than actually playing in the game. True. Good stuff. Good stuff. Doctor, please, please tell me that the Wendy Rhodes character on Billions is realistic. She's not realistic. No. <laughs> oh. oh, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah, thank goodness. Somebody yeah, said it. Thank goodness. Yeah, yeah, mainly because she's not good looking like I am. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> oh Doctor Spicky, uh, huh? Yeah. But, uh, yeah just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, you know, it, it, you know, this is a drama, right? And, yeah. and it's got to be entertaining. But if you were to do a show with what actually happens with a trading coach and traders, it would be boring for people because we're talking about the mechanics of what they do. We're talking about yeah. 
what's moving, what's not moving, and exactly. you know, you had this position on here, mm -hmm. and hmm, okay, could you have expressed it with an option structure? Could you have expressed it as a relative value idea? Mm -hmm. You know, did you have the best risk reward here? You know, an audience doesn't want to hear that shit. <laughs> but, but, yeah. that, but that's the meat and potatoes. Yes. You know, and working with a portfolio manager, for instance. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, I don't fault the show in that respect. No. You know, they, they mm -hmm. but it, it's not really what goes on behind closed doors when I meet with traders and portfolio managers. Well, the doc, yeah. you know, we can see you walking around in leather. It's okay, you know. All right, all right. <laughs> exactly. I, mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Three minute lover. I don't know. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> right. Take a walk on the wild side. All right. And and we do love the show. We've had people on from the show and and uh, somebody who who consults for them. But we we have to, yeah. you know, hey, we're traders, you know, we, we have to give everybody our Oh, opinion. no, we love the show. Yeah. No, barring that, yeah, we love the show, man. Yeah. But but I will say this, you know, the person who you're referring to is Denise Schall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and she's done some good work on mindset and how the brain affects our trading decisions. Uh, and I do encourage people to look into her work. Definitely. Uh, all the you know, hype or whatever, all the issues with the show, you know, notwithstanding, she uh, she does some good work. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Denise, for sure. Like her yeah, work. there's some really good people in the trading psychology world, and, mm -hmm. and I encourage listeners to uh, check them out. Um, you know, there's uh, Alpha Mind. Yes, uh, we had him on the podcast. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. Acti mm -hmm. they're active. The two of them mm -hmm. are active on Twitter. Um, and you have uh, Ivan, uh, Trading Composure. Uh, he's active on Twitter. Uh, you know, there are a number of people who are putting some good stuff out there. He's very much into uh, meditation and actually has a background as a Buddhist. So, you know, there's just uh, lots of good people. And, and that's why I love Twitter for you can see who you respect and then see who they follow. Right. And you can follow them. And pretty soon you've got a network of people who are putting out some pretty good stuff. Definitely. I, I mean, Twitter is such a great resource. And that's what I try to tell people, but people want to go on there and argue with each other. People want to go in, you know, yeah. talk politics. It's like, it's such a oh. good resource if you use it the right way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If you know a really smart person who does great work, and then you look at who they link to, who do they follow? Yeah. And then you check them out and who do they follow and who do they link to? And, yeah. and so, you know, in a relatively quick period of time, you can build an intellectual network and you could also meet some great people, mm -hmm. uh, which I have. And, and that's fulfilling in and of itself. No, it's incredible because nah, I think, like, Dr., how many people uh, of past ages would have loved to have that? Like, I, I, can, I can literally go on. I could see what you're, what you're looking at at the moment, uh, maybe an article oh, that you link to this. Definitely. It's, it's incredible. It really is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing resource. When I was learning how to trade, you'd have to go and, like, you know, find a trader, and then you have to go and spend money and take them out, buy them drinks for them to tell you some secrets, you know? That's how he used to do it in the old days. Right, right. Mm -hmm. It still it still happens on the sell side. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. <laughs> uh, good old days. Yeah, so I, good old I days, absolutely. But I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you guys. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think it's great that you're doing the podcast and educating both the 
home-based individual trainer and also uh, professional trainers. And mm -hmm. uh, it's, a, it's a worthy effort. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate that, doctor. And so with that, that's going to include today's episode of Confessions of a Market Maker. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review it for us. Uh, if you guys want to learn how to use market profile, trade futures, come join us at microefutures.com. And if you trade equities and you would like to collaborate with exquisite trading minds, we also have a new room that we just opened that I'm part of, equitiesetc.com. Doctor, uh, let the people know where they can find you and anything else you'd like them to know. Yeah, so uh, the Trader Feed blog, T-R-A-D-E-R-F-E-E-D, traderfeed.blogspot.com. That's uh, my blog site. A lot of my work is linked there. And, of course, the YouTube channel, which is the three-minute trading coach. And uh, some nice techniques are described there. Excellent. JJ? Well, that was great, Doctor. Thank you so much. It was uh, well. Thank you. Had a good time. Now. Great speaking with you, and uh, want to wish you a lot of luck with the podcast going forward. Thank, thank you, so you Doctor. We appreciate you. And so, for the good Doctor, I'm Harold. He's Kumar. You stop. So, <laughs> be good. Thank <laughs> you.